Good morning, Browncroft, and it's uh, so good to be with you. I just want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to some of my favorite people, dads out there. Happy Father's Day. Hopefully you got a great breakfast this morning and you're watching this with your family and you're just ready to make some great memories today with them. Uh, we're going to continue our series called Speaking with God, and we're going to go into Psalm chapter 27. But before we do that, I want to just share uh, a story with you. Uh, imagine, if you will, Josh Eisenhart, the 11th grader. Now, there'd be less beard, there'd be less white, there'd be There'd be quite a bit less of everything, but uh, this was a, this story happens between right after my 11th grade uh, year ended. My youth group took a trip to the Dominican Republic. It was my first ever mission trip, and this was a, a the point of this trip was really to build a chapel, a, a small chapel for a community down there who had lost their church. Um, to a hurricane. So we went down there and we built this church in a single week. We actually built it in like six foot panels of wall and roof. Um, and we built it all in this one complex that was owned by the missions organization. And then at the end of the week, we took all the pieces, we put them into a trailer and woke up early, like 3 a.m., drove from the south end of the island to the north end of the island, and in one 12, 13-plus hour day in the Dominican Republic in July, we assembled this church, and it was incredible, and it was hot, and it was tiring, but it was um, the first time that I had really experienced doing something really bigger than myself, serving this community. And so we ended the night with a prayer service, and uh, the next morning we were going to go uh, over to a resort. The mission's motto was uh, work hard, play hard. So we had worked all week, and now we were going to spend a day at this resort. But our youth pastor, in his infinite wisdom, which all youth pastors have, uh, said, we're not going to go all the way. We're going to stop at this little hotel um, in the middle of nowhere in the Dominican Republic that happened to be right along the ocean. And so we all got our rooms, and we got settled in, and we were all very tired, but still like wired with excitement and energy. So I remember all the guys um, getting uh, getting together. They found the one working TV that had cable. And after a week of not seeing TV, of course, they were just, they were ready to watch anything. So they were watching um, Sports Center or something, I think. And I just remember standing in that room and, and thinking, man, I, after today, I just, I'm not feeling this right now. So I actually left and I opened the door to my room, opened the balcony door and uh, caught this view that just changed everything for me. For as far left as I could see, all the way around to as far right as I could see was just massive ocean. And I could see the white caps of the waves starting way out and coming in. I could hear the hear the waves hitting against the rocks below me. I could see the the giant moon in the sky that was like five times bigger than than my moon, or at least it seemed. That might be bad science, but it felt that way. And it was reflecting off of the ocean. It looked like a looked like a Hallmark card. It was unbelievable. And I I sat there looking and experiencing this and I just felt so full of awe 
and wonder. I was completely speechless. I had no idea really what I was experiencing. I couldn't put it into words. It's 1 a.m. in the Dominican Republic, but I knew that I was seeing the creation of a God who was very real. Uh, and it was unbelievable. And I never experienced anything like that before. And, and it was incredible how this huge moment was so intimate at the same time, very inspiring. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, but I knew that nothing that was on that TV or nothing that was gonna be you know, at the resort on our free day the next day could ever compare to what I was experiencing right now, this moment of complete beauty. And I, I actually wanted to get right back to work because I was so inspired. I just wanted to like, okay, let's, let's not waste a day at a pool. Let's go help more people. As we look at the text for today, we're going to be, as I said, in Psalm 27. Just a little background on that. David uh, is the author of this psalm, as he is of so many. And uh, the experts, the theologians, the people who study these things uh, would say that this was written while David was on the run, which he actually was quite a few times in his life, but specifically, uh, most likely written while he was on the run from King Saul. Now, if you don't remember that story, David was chosen and anointed to be the next king of Israel. And King Saul, the current king of Israel, was not a big fan of that choice. And so he set out to get rid of David. So David's literally running for his life as he's writing this psalm. Uh, we're going to read this in a few different chunks, um, uh, but read with me now verse uh, 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. So many of the Psalms that are written by David, almost all of them, start out with a lament. It starts out with um, uh, an interaction between him and God where he's kind of complaining. He's saying, God, I'm, uh, things are going wrong right now. I'm devastated. I'm, I'm broken. Where are you? Are you listening? And, and that's pretty typical of how he would write most of his Psalms. But in this one, and there are a few others like this, he actually starts on a positive note. He starts by maintaining his confidence in God. Uh, he says, you're my light and my salvation and my stronghold. And whatever is coming my way, I'm confident in you. I'm confident that no matter what is coming up against me, that God is still God. And that leads us to our first point, that confidence in God destroys fear. I don't know about you, but fear is one of those things that has a way of coming back pretty consistently in my life. And oftentimes it's sitting in the driver's seat of my life. I, I, it hangs out with me when I start thinking about my kids. I have this drive to make sure they're safe. Uh, I want them to be uh, making the best decisions to help secure them a, a successful future. And I worry about those kind of things. Um, I, I am fearful sometimes in the decisions that I need to make. Um, 
what about my future? What's going to happen? Is the choice I'm about to make, is it uh, a good one or is it, man, it's pretty risky. Um, I also have fear about my health. I mean, I just a few weeks ago, this is brand new. Um, I had this like feeling in my chest that I had never had before. Um, just something weird was going on and it, it lasted about a week. And so I decided to go to the doctor to get it checked out. Now, just a side note, please go get something checked out way earlier than a week. That was way too long. But um, I went to the doctor and, and even though all the tests came back fine, everything was great. The doctor reassured me everything was fine. Like I had a real fear uh, about my health. My family has a less than stellar history of, of health uh, situations. And so I thought for sure that the doctor was going to come into a room and say like, listen, you've got, you've got the same thing your dad had, a, a heart thing. Uh, man, I was just, I let that fear rule me in those moments. And maybe your fear is similar. Maybe it's around your health. You have a family history and your, uh, it's kind of anxiety over you. You're waiting for the, for the hammer to fall there. Or maybe you've already been diagnosed with something that changed your life. Maybe your fear is around your family. Maybe your kids or, or even your marriage. Maybe you're doing everything to hang on, but it's just hanging on by a thread and nothing seems to be getting better. Maybe your fear is actually around your future. Will my finances survive this coronavirus quarantine thing? Will I have a job? Will my family be taken care of? Or maybe your fear, um, maybe your fear is internal. Maybe the, the recent events in our culture have caused you to uh, confront some things that you didn't really want to dive into. Uh, you'd rather not deal with it in, in regards to how maybe you view other people. Because what if you find out that you're not the person you thought you were? In the midst of these fears that keep us up at night, where is our confidence? Now, when we say confidence, I'm not talking about the kind of confidence where you say, you know, God's taking care of me. I'm just going to go out and do whatever I want to do with my life. Other people just need to deal because I have better faith than them. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to do what they're saying to do. Uh, I'll just do me because God will take care of me. When I hear myself say those things, and I have, um, I know that that's really coming from a place of arrogance in my own life. That's confidence in myself, which is certainly not deserving of confidence. Uh, confidence in God would look more like, despite how this is affecting me or could affect me or my family or, or my bank account, whatever it is, I, I fully trust God to redeem this situation, to be with me no matter what. David in this psalm, is running for his life. And he says, I, I know that when they come at me, they're just going to stumble and fall. The closer they get to me, the more confidence I'll have in him. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Remember that David is a poet. So he uses these phrases like, light and salvation and stronghold as a way to paint this beautiful picture of who God is to him. And he uses it all throughout the Psalms. That's why we love it. He's so good with his words, but they're oftentimes words we don't use very often. So when we think about him saying, the Lord is light, we think about, um, you know, light illuminating truth, right? It, it pushes away the darkness. And when he says, Lord is my salvation, 
I, I think of him delivering us, right? Being our savior, delivering us from, from our fear, from evil, uh, from people who are attacking us. Um, stronghold, he uses that term, and that's a different one. That's definitely one I don't use very often. But when I think about it, I think of like a Lord of the Rings tower castle thing that's just all stone and huge and awesome. Um, and uh, what I think he's saying here is that uh, when he calls the Lord the stronghold of his life, um, that it's a place where he will find rest, find protection, find uh, refuge in the midst of all the things that could possibly be going wrong. And what I love about this is David isn't just using these terms as a way to describe God as if it's just sort of just adjectives about him in general. He's saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation, the stronghold in my life. He's making it very, very personal because it's easy for us to picture God as like out there somewhere uh, and even David says this in the Psalms, um, that, that when fear creeps in, it seems like you're a million miles away, God. But, but Scripture over and over tells us he's not. He's right next to us. He's fighting for us. Are we confident in him? Confidence in God destroys fear, which begs the next question, well, how do we gain this confidence? Where do we get that from? How do we take this idea of, yeah, I'm confident in God, or I should be, from like a, an intellectual understanding to something that's personal and real and in our, in our DNA? To find that, I think we find that right after these three verses in verse 4, uh, David keeps talking about how he gains that confidence. Read along with me, 4 through 6. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, for all my days, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in his shelter, uh, the shelter of his tabernacle, excuse me, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above all the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with joy, shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Now, when we read that, David uses all these terms that are talking about sort of the actual structures, and we can read that at face value, and we might think David's looking for an actual place to go and be with God and sit with God and, and, and gaze at his, his beauty and be in his presence. And I think in a perfect world, he would be looking for that place. But remember, this is written while he's on the run. So David is talking about this in a very abstract way. He's, he's that poet, right? So he's using his imagination to say, this is where, um, this is what it's like for me to be with God. This is where I have to go in my mind to be with God. And I, and I see it, him as light and I see him as my stronghold and my salvation. And that's good for us, right? Because we're uh, three months uh, out of our church, our actual building, right? And so we didn't lose access to God in all that time. Um, the gates of heaven don't have a sign that say, you know, temporarily closed. We don't need a mask on to approach the throne of Jesus and just sit and gaze at his beauty. We can still do all those things. I think that Many of us, if Pastor Rob came in and said, you know, do you have confidence in God? We'd say, yeah, sure, I, I have confidence in God, but I don't think that nearly enough of us 
uh, take the time to do what David is saying here and just sit and gaze at his beauty, to be um, just to be with God in silence. Um, I don't think we do that really very often at all. So that sets up where this confidence in, comes from. Confidence in God is built through our awe of God. The deal is this, we were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to worship God. We were created to be in awe of God. And the beauty of his relationship with us is that it is not a forced relationship. While we were created for awe, we are free to give that to whomever or whatever we want. But the most important thing to understand is that we are always worshiping something. We are always giving our all to something. And if that is not God, then it is something that is far less deserving, uh, far less worthy of our worship and of our all. David here is giving us a blueprint, right? He's saying, look, there's stuff coming after me. There, there are enemies and there's fear and there's uncertainty. And the only thing that can destroy that fear is confidence in God. And the only way to have confidence in the Lord is to truly understand how great and how powerful and how mighty and how just and how loving and how intimate he truly is to just worship him and sit in awe of him. That reminds me of the story found in the New Testament of Mary and Martha, where they invite Jesus over for dinner, Jesus and the disciples, and Mary gets to work and she's cooking and she's um, cleaning and she's making sure everything's gonna be just perfect. And Martha, when Jesus gets there, uh, they go into a sitting room and Martha just goes with Jesus and sits with him and just kind of listens to what he has to say. She doesn't help Mary. And then Mary comes in and she's like, Martha, what's going on? Like, where are you? Jesus, tell Martha to help me. And, and Jesus' response is like, no, Martha is right where she needs to be, sitting at the feet of her Savior, being in that moment, just listening to him. Confidence in God is built through our awe of God. When I was sitting on that balcony in the Dominican Republic, just overwhelmed by the presence of God, uh, I felt more complete than I ever had. Even though I had no words to really describe what I was feeling, I was fully inspired. I was fully inspired to do something, to continue serving this big God that created all of this. And when I went back to my room, I remember finding some, some of my friends and I said, guys, you gotta, you gotta hear what I just experienced. And I tried to tell them, but, but I, it was so shallow. Like I couldn't explain this experience I had. And, and as much as I, I tried, I fumbled through it and I realized they just, they don't get it. They don't understand what I'm trying to tell them. See, the confidence that comes from truly trusting God and being in awe of him, um, that's gonna look very strange to the outside world. People are gonna look at you and wonder, why don't you worry the same way they worry? They're gonna call you irresponsible when you wanna just sit and spend time alone with God. They're gonna think maybe you should go talk to someone. 
but when our awe is fully on him, we will have confidence that he is in control and fear has no place in our lives. That experience in the Dominican Republic was the first of many for me uh, where I've had, that I've had over the years. Uh, sometimes I have these experiences uh, really sitting and being with God uh, in nature, just looking at his creation, or I find a quiet moment where I can just close my eyes and listen. And sometimes, and dads, you'll relate to this, that first time you held your, your child and you looked down at them and you were just in complete um, speechlessness. You had no idea what was happening. You just were witnessing a full miracle. And to be able to watch them grow and become their own people and have their own personalities, it's truly an act of being in awe of God. And sometimes it's when I look into the eyes of, of the woman that I've loved for 20 years now, and I see the beauty of God in her every single day. When, when fear comes into my life, my light and my salvation and my stronghold can be seen and experienced all around me. Am I looking for him? Do I stand in awe of him? Am I confident in him? And I think that's our challenge for today. Uh, it's where are you making space to sit in awe of God, to gaze at his beauty? Maybe the real question is, do you make that time? We need to quit lying to ourselves. We need to quit being superficial with ourselves. And we need to seek a real, genuine connection with God, to truly know him every day, to make him the Lord of our lives at home and at school and at work. If what this scripture says is true, if the Bible is really true, then we can never be the same. Not we should never be the same. It's impossible for us to be the same if we believe this. We cannot experience the awe and wonder of the living God and, and claim that he lives within us in our hearts and then give in to fear the first time things don't go according to plan or things get uncomfortable. I just have a few suggestions for us today because I think that we need some tangible ways to go after this and to actually experience God. So one of the things, and this is going to sound uh, weird maybe, but it's I have one of these things, these phones. I know you do too. Uh, very important for all of us. Our lives, our work are done on them, but we need to make space away from that because it can be a huge distraction in our lives. It can be a huge time waster. Do we set up boundaries so that we can actually be with God, so that we can be with family and other people? The same thing goes for the social media that, that we find on there. What was meant to be probably really good and create community and conversation oftentimes just becomes a time waster for us. And we just sit there and we scroll and we scroll mindlessly. Are we, are we giving truth uh, to God? Are we, are we spending real time with God? Even though you, there's great resources on there, nothing is going to be better than sitting in the Word of God and praying to the one who wrote this down. We need to connect with people, right? On a non-superficial way, we need to go talk to our neighbor, find people who, are, who look different than us, 
who uh, have different experiences than us, maybe who believe different things than us, because we're looking for the beauty and the splendor and the wonder of God, and we can see that in his creation. Another thing would be to get outside yourself and serve. Do something bigger than yourselves. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity or the right fit. Just go and do something. Serve people because that is what Jesus modeled for us. That is how he connected to people. The awe of God grows our confidence, and our confidence in God destroys fear. Now, I want to end this morning um, the only way I know how, and that's with the words of David. I would be doing a huge disservice to you and to chapter 27 of Psalms if I didn't read the last two verses, which are just wonderful. And it goes like this, verse 13 and 14. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, we invite you to make us uncomfortable. We invite you to help us um, wait for you. God, show us where we can um, find ways to get closer to you, find moments in our day where we can spend time on purpose with you. God, we know that we understand the idea of having confidence in you, but do we truly have that in you? God, show us that. Help us see your beauty and splendor and awe and wonder. And God, help us as we are uh, better sons and daughters, better husbands and wives, better friends. God, whatever it is, help us truly chase after you so that we might have the same confidence that David has, that no matter what comes into our lives, no matter what fear or enemies or anything, that you will overcome, that you will redeem those situations. And even when our situations don't change, that you're still faithful for us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.